I see everybody on their feet, amen. So um, if you're not, please stand. I'm going to read. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God has given me the title. God has given me the title on today, amen. Little Shepherd Boy. Hallelujah. And I told my wife as I was studying, I told her, I say, I'm so thankful for you because she asked me a question. She's asked me this question more than once. She said, but why you always got to preach a series? Why you can't just preach? Amen. And so lately I've just been, i just been opening up the Bible like I used to. Just opening it up, seeing where he take me, seeing what he say with no, no, no thought, no whatever. And so he took me to 1 Samuel, amen. And as I was sitting, as I was sitting, I heard the voice of the Lord just say, little shepherd boy. <laughs> what? Amen, little shepherd boy. And so on today, I, I want to talk to y'all about a couple of things. I want to talk about humility. Amen. I want to talk about callings. Amen. I want to talk about perseverance. Amen. I, I, I want you to I want you to fall in love with the word on today. Amen. When I say I want you to fall into love with the word on today, I want you to fall in love with this storytelling. I want you to fall in love with how God tells a story. He is the ultimate storyteller. Every poem, every song, every rap, everything that's ever made, all of those gifts that people have, amen, that is a gift from God to be able to put something together. God is the ultimate storyteller. I want you to fall in love with the word on today. I want you to see how God weaves things together. Amen. How he connects things and how he allows things to come from past, whether it's one year, five years, a hundred years, a thousand years. I want you to know how big this God we serve is. And so I'm going to be talking about a little shepherd boy on today. Amen. And when God said it to me, I immediately, I think at the time I was thinking about myself and I was thinking, Lord, I just, I just want to do your will. I ain't worried about all that other stuff. And I, that's what was on my mind. I had just got off work and I was thinking, Lord, I just want to do your, your will. I'm fine with just playing whatever role you need me to play. And that's when I heard him say, little shepherd boy. Amen. And so I'm going to be going around. I'm going to be jumping around so you don't have to stand. I'm going to be jumping around between 1 Samuel chapter 15 through 17 and a little bit of Genesis is going to be thrown up in there. But I want to start in 1 Samuel 17 with verse 34. Right? And it reads, and, and this is what it says. It says, And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, talking about himself, and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him, which means he killed him, and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and I smote him and I slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine, talking about the lion, most of y'all know that story, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he have defied the armies of the living God. David said, moreover, the Lord have delivered me out of the paw of this lion and out of the paw of the bear. He will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go, and the Lord be with thee. If the Lord delivered me then, 
he will deliver me now. And I need y'all to understand that the Lord has been delivering. He has been saving. He has been a way maker for a long time. And so in addition to me just starting a new job, a couple of years, some of y'all will remember that my wife had to visit the, the hospital a while back. Amen. And that one overnight hospital trip was $5,000. She went even there 24 hours. $5,000. In addition to that, we got a letter in the mail a couple of months ago from the IRS saying we didn't report something in 2020. $6,000. In addition to that, having an 18-year-old daughter get on your insurance. Right. And so what I do, what I what I do, and I'm so thankful that the Lord has delivered me because I come from a family where we stressed about money. If I is I'm not gonna tell my whole story, but I come from a family that stresses about money, that has been through debt. Multiple people in my family have gone through bankruptcy. I used to be that person that got to the one. We first got married, you know, two households coming together. I'm so thankful that my wife just she pays the bills now because that's something I don't even like to focus on. She, I, I, the money going account, she got that account, she paid the bills. I don't even want to look at stuff like that because it just, it, it, I don't want to go back to that place. God has delivered me from that. And so as we began to get all of this news, all of these things started to come, I just turned to my word like I always do. I turned to my journal, I started reading from. 2014, and God, in 2014, God had already prophesied to me. I had it written out. I had it written out in 2014. God said that a storm was going to come, but you're going to weather the storm. And it wasn't just some random storm. I wrote out what the storm was going to be, and it was going to be financial challenges. In 2014, when I had, when when I, when I there were no financial challenges, and he t it was down to, like, it's going to be these many years. And the storm is going to come, but you're going to weather the storm. And so as I stand, as I say, the Lord delivered, the, delivered me then, he would deliver me now. I told, I told Pastor T, I said, we're going we gonna, we gonna to put a little money on it. We're going to pay it. We got a roof. We got food. We're just going to put a little money on it. We're going to pay it down. Amen. If the Lord delivered me then, the Lord would deliver me now. Right? But in order to have that mind state, in order for, for, for David, right, this is before David became King David. This is why he was still just a little shepherd boy. See, some of us, we want, we, we're trying to fight these huge battles in our life, and God is saying, if you would just follow step one, before you can go up against Goliath, you can't be afraid to take out the lion and the bear and whatever else you, 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 you coming up against while you're still just a little shepherd boy. Because God, all those little things, all the things that have been happening to you over your life, that's God's way of building confidence in you to allow you to know that I can, I can take you out of this situation so that when the storms come, you will be able to say, the Lord delivered me then. The Lord will deliver me now. And so the next thing that I'm getting ready to show y'all, I'm not showing y'all this because it's like, this is, this is all... I just want you to imagine this is the part where I say I want you to fall in love with the word. When you read your Bible, I want, I want, I, I, my prayer is that the words will begin to lift off the page and that you will begin to say, man, God is awesome how he put things together. And so this next thing that I'm getting ready to show you 
is for that reason alone. So the word says, the, the word calls David ruddy, R-U-D-D-Y. And I thought about muddy. I thought the word was saying that he was dirty, like he was just a little scraggly, dirty, like pig pen, a little boy running around with dirty clothes on. Until I looked up the word, and the word means red. Go to those pictures on the bear. The word means red. It means red hair. And the word describes David as being gorgeous. And so I know my musicians can't see the screen, but on the screen, I have a picture of a little red-haired black boy. And in my study, and I started saying, can because you know I just Google, can black people have red hair? Naturally red hair. I know you can dye your hair, but can black people have red hair? And, and I, as I start to study, and it's like this 0. 0.0 something percent chance that a black person is born with red hair. But as I began to look at the pictures of people, black people with natural red hair, I'm like, man, we do look just like a lion. We look just like a lion. I say the man look like he got a lion's mane. And I start to think about the lion of Judah and David being the house of Judah and Jesus coming from the lion of Judah. And I'm saying, God, that is no coincidence that you make things like that happen. Because I want to talk like, like, and I'm telling y'all this because this is how I read the word. I don't know how y'all read the word. When I read the word, I start looking for stuff like, what that word mean? But then, then I start just keep going through it. But the only reason I'm saying that is because he was a little shepherd boy and he probably stood out in his community. He probably stood out. He probably looked so peculiar and so different than everybody else that was around him. But the word said that he was gorgeous. He was, he was, he was nice to look at. And I want to tell you, when you have God in your life, you stand out. Even if you have fixed features that don't look like everybody else, or you come from a place that does, that's not like everybody else, when you have the anointing of God on your life, when you have a calling on your life, you're going to stand out. And God makes you stand out for a reason. And so the word goes on to say, I'm, I'm going back to 1 Samuel 16. Because I'm telling y'all that David stood out, but when you start to look at his calling, it's not a spectacular calling. He's just a little old shepherd boy. Great men don't become great men overnight. Great women don't become great women overnight. You start out somewhere. You start out awkward. You start out different. Most of the time, you don't even understand who you are. You don't even understand your gifts and talents. You don't even understand why you've been through the things that you've been through. You think you just living life. David didn't understand why he was out there killing bears and lions. He was just protecting the sheep. This is what my family do. We heard us. I got to protect the sheep. He didn't understand that God was preparing him to slay giants or to be a king. He didn't understand that. He was just a little shepherd boy. Lord, I thank you. And a lot of times we, we, we expect we expect our pastors or our ministers or our mom or whoever to understand our calling. I've had so many people, I've had somebody recently within the last month text me and say, Pastor, 
Who does God want me to be? I say, I can't answer that for you. I say, God going to have to reveal that to you. And I want y'all to understand, I, as, as I talk about how David was called, you, can, you can't leave out the prophet Samuel because he's the one that's going to anoint David as king. And so as I go back to 1 Samuel 16, the word says, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul? Seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel. Fill thy horn with oil and go. I will send thee to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king amongst his sons. The prophet Samuel, he was, he was grieving because God rejected Saul as king in the previous in the 15th chapter. God had made Saul king, and it's almost like the prophet was rooting that Saul was going to be successful. And so when Saul failed, when Saul disobeyed, the prophet was sad. God said to the prophet, how long are you going to keep crying? Get your oil and go anoint a new king. The prophet didn't, why, why are you saying that? Because the prophet didn't even know who the person was going to be. He had to get the answer from God. I can't tell you who you're going to be. I just have to be obedient. I have to preach the word. And when God shows me, if he shows me something, Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. I can't tell you. I just have to be obedient. Right? And so one of the reasons that, Saul, that, that Samuel mourned for Saul, because in the 15th chapter, let me tell y'all what happened real quick. He, he, he rebuked Saul because Saul disobeyed. Right? He told Saul that the kingdom was going to be ripped from his hand. He even, he even did what Saul did would not do, which was kill King Agag. And that's the same chapter where the verse says obedience is better than sacrifice. Because when Samuel tried to correct Saul, Saul had all of these excuses. But we took this because we were going to sacrifice this to you. And we only took the best stuff because God, you know, we only want to give you the best stuff. And Samuel was like, obedience is better than sacrifice. If you wanted to please me, you would have did what I told you to do. I don't want these rams and this stuff that you said you kept for me. And so by the time we get to the 16th chapter, when we get to the 16th chapter, and Samuel is getting ready to anoint David king, Samuel is still kind of torn between Saul and David and what God is trying to do. So in the second verse, this is 1 Samuel 16 and 2, it says, and Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take an heifer with thee and say, I'm come to sacrifice to the Lord and call Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show thee what thou shalt do. And thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. And Samuel did that which the Lord spoke and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, are you coming in peace? They asked Samuel that because Samuel had just took Saul off the throne and killed King Ahab. They thought, who he coming for now? Right? Even Samuel is a little afraid because he knows what he's done to Saul and God is saying, pick another king? What, what, are, you saying? what are you saying, Pastor? What I'm saying is, when God gets ready to call somebody, it comes with a little confusion. 
it comes with a little danger. You're not going to understand all of your calling at the very beginning. It's going to have a backstory to it. It's going to be like, how can I be calling? I didn't have my daddy in my house. Or how can I be calling? I came from this town. Or how can I be calling? I've gone through this. It might even be confusing to me at first. But if I'm obedient, I'm not going to pick and choose based on who I like. And I'm getting to that in a minute. I'm not going to pick and choose as a pastor based on who I like. I'm not going to even pick on appearance or what you have or which degree you have. I'm going to obey the voice of the Lord. God told Samuel, just whoever I call, whoever I name unto thee, that's going to be the king. So Samuel goes off. He does what he does. The people are scared. So that tells you right there that he's going to do a job and he doesn't know whether he's even going to be received or not because people are afraid of who he is. What you saying, Pastor? Sometimes, sometimes we can't receive what's being afraid to us because we're afraid of the person that's telling us. What you saying, Pastor? So many times I can't talk to y'all for real because y'all run from me. You avoid me. You avoid conversations or you don't ask certain questions because you know you're going to get a certain answer. That hinders you in your calling. You can't, you can't receive. Some of y'all get, get afraid when, you, when, when it's all to call. You know that you stand in need of something. Right? And, 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 and it's, a, it's a good thing. Like we, we've talked so much about fear. There is good fear and bad fear. Right? There is good fear and there is bad fear. Good fear is that you have respect for the Lord. But the bad fear is when you run because you know if you come into the presence of the Lord, or if the prophet comes into your presence, the prophet might say something to you that's going to cause you to clean up. Because they saw what the prophet did in the previous chapter. The prophet was killing stuff. The prophet was putting stuff in order. The prophet was doing everything that everybody else failed to do. So his neighbor's like, I don't know if I'm going to fool with the prophet. But Samuel says, I come in peace. The fifth verse, he says, peaceably, I have come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourself. And in my nose, I got tightened up. When God comes into your presence, he's not looking for you to be perfect, but he is looking for you to tighten up. When, when God comes into your presence, right, and you kind of all lazy and slouchy and whatever, he basically saying, you ain't got to be perfect, but I need you to sit up in your chair and listen. That's what that, that sanctify means. I'm, I'm coming in peace, but I need you to listen to what I'm saying. I need you to receive, like, I need you to take me seriously. Don't, don't, have, don't, don't have me on speakerphone while you're still over there doing what you're doing because you think I can't see you not paying attention. Like, sit down, get your notepad, and actually listen to what I'm saying. Stop trying to do what you're still doing. You just got me on speakerphone, and you're like, uh-huh, yeah, okay, I got you. Okay, okay, I got you. And you're not listening. God says, sanctify yourself. Tighten up and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons, and he called them to the sacrifice. And the sixth verse says, and it came to pass when they were come, that he looked on Elab, the eldest brother, and said, surely this got to be the Lord's anointed. 
Samuel looked on this man. He said, this got to be it. See, sometimes people got the look. They got the look that, boy, they got that man right there. got a call. Just look at how he walked. Look at how he destroyed the confidence, the strife. Look at how he walked. He got a calling on his life. And that might be true. Many are called. Few are chosen. Few are chosen. It even says that as as I read. Right? So Elab come when he walked in. He saw Elab and he like, okay, it's easy. It's easy. That got to be him. But that's the thing. Callings aren't easy. They aren't easy to discern. They aren't easy to discern. Right? The next verse says, right? The next verse says, but the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his face, his countenance, or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. And this is not a simple refusal. I want y'all to understand when the word says the Lord refused him. It's not a simple refuse. When you look it up in the Hebrew, it means despised. That refuse means despise. The Lord says that's not him. I despise him. For the Lord seeth not as a man seeth. For the man look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. God, God saw something in this man's heart that he despised. If God look, he don't care about nothing, nothing you got on or, or, or what degree you got. He don't care nothing about that. He's looking directly at your heart. And if he sees something in there that he does not like, he will not use you. You might think he's using you. I still go to such and such and volunteer and whatever. You're doing that for you. You can do all of that and get to, to get the judgment and God say, depart from me. I never knew you. It's got to be in your heart. Whatever you're called to do has to be in your heart. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. It says the Lord looks on the heart. God saw something in this man's heart that he despised. The eighth verse says, so the eighth verse says, and then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither have the Lord chosen this. Jesse called. He called all his sons. Many are called. Samuel looked on them. The Lord did not choose this. Why are you saying this, Pastor? Because I didn't say the Lord didn't choose him. The Lord said this. We got to stop thinking God is looking for a particular person. God is looking for a particular thing. He'll use any of y'all, but he's looking for a particular thing. What is the thing? The heart. He said, God is basically like he was saying, God, God didn't choose his heart either. God didn't choose. And so this helps us understand why David is called a what? A man after God's own heart. He saw something in David's heart that said, I can use him. But your heart, it's, 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 it's the same thing throughout scripture. It's the Cain and Abel thing. Both brothers, both brothers had an offering. God liked one and despised the other and rejected, despised the other. Why? It wasn't the brother themselves. It was the reason. It was the heart behind the offering. So then Jesse made Shammah to pass by. 
And then Samuel said, neither have the Lord chosen this. And again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, the Lord have not chosen these. And we tell y'all something. God can send a prophet to, because y'all got to understand that God sent Samuel to Jesse's house. God has sent a prophet to a house and use, I'm preaching to all of y'all, and use one person out of this whole house if your heart ain't right. Y'all understand what I'm saying? He, he sent Samuel to the right place. Samuel knew I'm there for a reason. I'm doing what you're telling me to do, Lord, but everybody I keep coming across, this ain't it. So am I doing something wrong? God say, no, it's, it's somebody there. I haven't revealed it to you yet, but even though you're waiting on me to reveal it, don't just use anybody because you feel like you got to pick. You ain't got to settle for just anybody. Lord, I thank you. Y'all ain't in there because I'm talking about y'all. I don't like that. <laughs> Hallelujah. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are all your children here? There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him. We will not sit down till he come hither. He said, I got one more. He a little shepherd boy. He a little shepherd boy out there tending the sheep. Jesse probably didn't call him in the first place because in Jesse's mind, that can't be it. You talking about the little red boy? The little red boy that's out there? That can't be the one. It got to be, it got to be Elab or it got to be Abinadab or it got to be one of these other Sons. It can't be the little red one out there. She, that boy, that's special. He ain't, he ain't. Can't be him. And that's your thing. See, we, we, you better understand that God would bypass you and use somebody who you've disqualified. He will go right past you and use the person that in your mind you've disqualified. God does not need you to serve. He's not looking for a particular person. He's looking for a particular thing. God wants people that love him. He wants people that are going to be faithful. He wants people that don't mind being sanctified. People that don't mind being set apart. People that don't mind going by themselves. People that will trust him. Even when they got to kill lions, tigers, bears, oh my. Amen. You got to understand who this little red boy was. He was a part of God's larger plan. All the way back in Genesis 49. This thing was so good to me. This thing was so good. All the way back in Genesis 49. The word says Judah. Y'all don't know David is a descendant of Judah. The word says Judah thou art whom thy brother shall praise. And thy hand shall be on the neck of thine enemies, and thy father's children shall bow down to thee. The whole story of the whole story of David gives Joseph vibes. What, what you mean, Joseph vibes? Because Joseph told his brothers, Y'all gonna bow down to me. I'm gonna be the ruler. And the same thing is happening with David. The one that they discounted is going to be the one that becomes king. And his older brothers hated the fact that God chose David. 
Proverbs 18 and 19 tells us that a brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. And their contentions, their strife with you are like the bars on a, cancer, uh, on a castle. When your brother is offended, Matthew 10 and 36 tells us that a man's foes shall be those of his own household. When you got a real calling on your life, it's going to ruffle feathers. Just like I was telling y'all about the storm. Storm's going to come, but you're going to weather the storm. You know how many feathers I've ruffled in my own family? How many feathers I've ruffled with my own friends when I came to know the Lord? How many people was like, basically, we don't fool with you no more? How many people I lost because I chose to serve the Lord? But the ones that were supposed to be in my life came back. See, some of y'all even, see, that's a, that's a lion in a bag. You've got to. Those are the little things you got to fight before you can fight Goliath. You can't fight your big battle because you still worry about what people think. You can't even fight the big battle with stuff on the inside of you because you still worry about what other people think. Lord, I thank you. Genesis says Judah is a lion's whelp. A whelp is a cub. From prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down. He crouched as a lion. And as an old lion, who shall rouse him up? Let me tell you. So what I'm reading to y'all is, is Jacob's blessing on his son Judah. The father Jacob is blessing his son Judah. And basically it is a prophecy saying, it's a prophecy about David. And from, because David fulfills this prophecy. And from David, Jesus is going to come. But, Jay, but David is the one that's fulfilling it, Right? So logically, Jacob's oldest son is Reuben. He should have been the leader, right? But no. Why? It's the same thing. He's looking at the heart. Why Judah? He's the fourthborn son. Jacob had watched this little guy grow up. Judah reminded Jacob of a lion cub. Feed and pray. Learning how to kill beasts. Jacob watched his son grow up and he saw the destiny in store for him. That's why it's no wonder when David was a little shepherd boy, he was out there killing lions. Y'all understand what I'm saying? I hope, I hope it's, it's a lot. Everything that David was doing, God had already prophesied. God had already seen. He said, this boy going to grow up. Eventually, there is going to come, become a descendant from Jacob and he's going to be a killer. He's going to kill lions. He's going to kill bears. He's going to slay giants. He's going to be a king, and my scepter will not depart from his house. And it didn't, all the way to it got to Jesus. And now, where does Jesus sit? On the throne with all power in his hand. God for life. Let me, so, what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying when God got a calling on your life, can't nothing stop it but you. Why you? Because I'm saying he can call you, but that don't mean he's going to choose you. He can call, he's calling all of y'all. He's call, he called me. He's calling you. But that don't mean he's going to choose you. You got to want to be cho chosen. And the reason that he doesn't choose you because he's probably looking at your heart and he sees something in there that he can't use. And then when he chooses you, he got to send you. So after he chose David, it wouldn't automatically go to king. It was now. It, it's crazy because it was like, now that I've chosen you, I want you to go serve the man that you're going to replace what? See, that's the thing. You think because you chose and you ain't got to serve no more? No. When you chose and you're chosen to serve. 
Lord, I thank you. This little shepherd boy was something special. Going back to 1 Samuel 16, the 13th verse. The word says Samuel took the horn of oil. He anointed David in the midst of his brethren. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah, but the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit troubled him. Y'all ever heard that Kirk Franklin song when he's saying, don't, Lord, don't take your spirit away from me? Don't take it. Don't take it. If you have been called to do something and you disobey, God can take his spirit. He can, he can take the anointing. He can take the anointing. Yeah, I, I know y'all probably said, Pastor, talk about Whitney Houston every Sunday. But I say that because one of the most beautiful voices in the world. But when she got on them drugs, when she started singing, uh, what's that? I, I lean to you or I look to you. She, ain't, that one, she could sing, but that wasn't that Whitney Houston anointing. That, that, that wasn't the anointing anymore. Right? I, she could still sing. She could still function. She could still hold a concert and draw a crowd based on the name that she had. But that was not the same anointing. It was not the same anointing. So because of Saul's disobedience, God took the anointing and put it on somebody else. From the time that Samuel anointed David, the anointed departed from Saul. And not only did it depart, the word says, and an evil spirit from the Lord. And an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. Let me tell you something. The reason that a lot of stuff is going wrong in your life, the reason that a lot of stuff is going wrong, it ain't just chance. And then sometimes you want to blame it on the devil. Right? Sometimes the Lord, the Lord, enunciate, the Lord does not have to allow you to have peace because you won't obey. The Lord does not allow you to have peace because you won't obey and you know to do better. You know to do better. Saul knew. Saul had seen what God could do in his life. It wasn't like, I'm just clueless. I don't know what to do, God. Saul knew what the Lord could do. He chose to disobey. And so the Lord sent a spirit to trouble him. That's not nice, God. The Lord sent the spirit to trouble him out of love. He, spent, he sent the spirit to trouble him out of love. He said, I'm not going to allow you to have rest in your mess. I'm not going to allow you to be comfortable in your mess. And so... The word says that the spirit, the spirit departed from Saul, but then God turned around and sent David to minister to Saul, and David had the what? The spirit. I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna take it from you, but I'm gonna send somebody to restore you because I love you. God allowed the attack because of disobedience. The goal was correction, not to destroy. The spirit introduced David into the life of Saul. How else can a little shepherd boy become king? David had no ties to the throne. David was just a little shepherd boy. How he got? How, how did he make it into the palace? God sent him in the palace. How as a what? 
as a shepherd, as a soldier, as a musician, as a hard player. His gift made room for him. The gift that you thought they had nothing to do with you serving the Lord is the one that's going to make room for you. It's going to just open the door so you can get in there. And then when you get in there, God will start showing you what you're supposed to do. And a lot of times what you're supposed to do is minister to people that's going to try to kill you. Because Saul's going to try to kill David. David spent a, a large part of his waiting to be king running and hiding. He even had he even had the opportunity to kill Saul when his back was turned. And David said, No, I refuse to touch the Lord's anointing. Think about that. Even when Saul got killed by somebody else, David killed the people that killed Saul. How he said, How in the world you weren't scared to touch the Lord's anointing? Even though Saul didn't have the anointing, David said, if God loved him, you can't touch him. I don't care what he's done. If God loves him like that, then nobody can touch him, including me, and I'm the king. The spirit introduced David into the life of Saul, David, who now had the spirit of God. The torment was temporary. Your torment is temporary. Your torment, your pain, your suffering, your grief is temporary. But you have to allow God to minister to you. The word says that every time that the evil spirit would torment Saul, he would call for David. David would play his heart and the spirit would leave. You something, when you're tormented, something in your mind say, I need to call on God. The Bible says resist Satan and he will flee. The torment was temporary and all these things were in preparation for kingship. God was teaching David how to become king. Most of the time, we don't focus on the little shepherd boy part of the story. We focus on the Goliath part. But in all honesty, the journey is more spectacular than the arrival. The journey, like y'all might see me like I, I think about Brother Ryan Rowe. He, he always he he and I, and I and I have to say all glory to God because he just keeps he keep telling me about how good a man that I am because he sees this finished product. But in all honesty, the journey to getting me here was more spectacular than what you see right now. Y'all don't y'all don't see the, the the amazing work that God did in my life. A lot of times we see the finished product of people. Oh, how she got married, or she got a job, or she got a promotion. You don't see how many times they were rejected. You don't see how many times they were hurt. You don't see how many times they were cheated on. You don't see how many times they wanted to commit suicide because they were depressed. You don't see all of that. You just think that they made it. And that's where you're trying to get to. But the spectacular part was not that God allowed me to get married and get this job. It's that he kept me through. All of the stuff that brought me to that problem, to that to that point. The journey is the more spectacular part. That, that, that's, that, that's what gives your story weight. That's when you know you look like, I made it through this. Man often congratulates us for the end result. And I'm coming in. 
Man often congratulates us for the end result, but if they paid close attention, they would notice who you were when you were just a little shepherd boy. They would notice like, okay, this man just didn't get here. He's been doing this for a long time. He's been in the background for a long time. He's been number two for a long time. Right? He ain't been getting paid for a long time. Right? Stop looking at the end result of people that like, and I'm talking about people that serve the Lord. Stop looking at the end result and start trying to figure out, well, what did they do to get there? What did they do to get there? And then when they tell you, don't think that, oh, you ain't got to do all that. I'm telling you what works. Reading your Bible works. Praying and hitting your knees works. Putting down that alcohol and that weed works. Separating yourself works. Keeping your legs closed works. Not shacking works. Right? You can't even get to the big stuff because you don't know how to fight the lions and the bears yet. And it don't take, it don't take, you think it is going, it's too hard. It don't take a lot. It takes some a slingshot. <laughs> Saul tried to put all this arm on David. David said, that stuff too heavy for me. I don't need all of that. I'm going to be out there slow. He said, I'm just a little shepherd boy. Just let me, I'll be out here with a slingshot. It's good enough. And slay giants. And slay giants. And slay giants. I end with where I begin that 37th verse. And that 37th verse says, right? Moreover, David says, he delivered me out of the power of the lion and out of the power of the bear. He would deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go and the Lord be with thee. If God delivered me then, he'll deliver me now. If God delivered me then, he'll deliver me now. Amen. Amen. Y'all come on and give the Lord a hand clap. Today is the day. Now is the time. Amen. We also want to open up.